And we've been looking into the fruit of the Spirit so that we can also produce the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. Christian atheists, if you don't know what that means, if you haven't been here for the series or you're just now tuning in online, it's someone who believes in God but lives like God doesn't exist, which also means that a Christian atheist is probably someone who goes to church. They claim to be a Christian. They might even have a, a verse in their bio on social media. They might post scripture all the time, but they do not produce or have evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Now, if you are kind of noticing a pattern with this, is that hopefully the Spirit has convicted you in some way, shape, or form that you're like, maybe I am a Christian atheist. Because if we're all being honest, none of us are perfect in the fruit of the Spirit. All of us are kind of failing at most of the fruit of the Spirit, if not all of the fruit of the Spirit. But it's because we're broken people, right? This has been a a very tough series for me to preach because I'm falling in the same categories of, man, I'm not so sure I should preach on this because I'm not demonstrating that so well. And what I found this, I heard this this past week, actually. One of my youth pastor friends shared it on Facebook. It was a podcast. And it said, regular church attenders attend church once a month. That's considered regular church attendance now. And of those regular attenders, the ones who just come once a month to church, only 8% of them read the church outside of Sunday morning or read the Bible outside of Sunday morning. So if you think that Christian atheism isn't dwelling within churches, There's about 92% of people who don't read their own Bibles. They rely on preachers like me and preachers that they find online to read the Bible for them. And I'm not saying that that categorizes you as a Christian atheist, but you're on your way there if you're not already there. This is why this is such an important series as we develop and we deepen our relationship with God. But today we're talking about the faithfulness of God that comes with the fruit of the Spirit. So 2 Timmy, Timothy, Timmy, 2 Timmy, I'm going to start saying that. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13 says this, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word's not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, speak through me as you always do, as you always know how. Lord, open up all of our hearts to receive this message that you have for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So throughout our life, we actually exhibit faith very well. Maybe not faith in God, but faith in other things. We have faith in our vehicle's ability to get us from point A to point B without failing. We have faith when we step on an airplane to travel that the pilot actually got a degree. 
and he actually knows what he's doing. We have faith that he's going to make the plane actually fly or that the mechanics of the plane are actually going to work together and make the thing fly and keep it in the air until it's time to land. We have faith in the workers that there's going to be fuel in the tanks, enough fuel to get you to your destination, that all of the seals are working properly. We have faith that when you go to a restaurant, the food's going to be prepared correctly so you don't get food poisoning or that someone's not going to spit into your food, right? Now everyone's going to go after church and be like, did they spit my food? Because now I don't know, right? We have faith in those things. We have faith that Amazon's going to actually fulfill the order and send it to the right address. We have faith that when you hit or send something in the mail, that person's going to receive it. Though sometimes there's not a lot of faith because you'll get a phone call. Did it actually get there? Did you get my card? Did you get whatever it is? But we have a little bit of faith going into that. We have faith in everyday things. And if we're being honest, it takes little to no thought. Right? You get in your car, you turn it on, and you just have faith that it's going to take you to your destination. But when it comes to God, we often doubt that he's here. We doubt that he's going to heal. We doubt that he'll actually provide for us. And it's not that we're doubting God's ability to do those things. We're doubting his willingness to do those things. Throughout this series, we've talked about what each characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit is, where we can find it, how we can produce it. And if you stuck around so far, you know that we're unable to produce it on our own. Right? I don't want to just keep beating that drum to you. You can't produce these things on your own. You have to have God dwelling within you. You have to have a relationship with him to produce those things and pour, have it pour out of you. But today is going to be just a little bit different. Because I know this series, if you've been taking it to heart, it's been hard for you. It's been hard for me. But today, I want to help you restore some of your lost faith in God. That instead of looking at where you can find it, you know it comes from God. Instead of looking at how can I produce it, you know that you're going to have to produce it by deepening your relationship with God. That God's going to have to be faithful to you in order for you to be faithful to others. I just want to make your faith just a little bit stronger. To, to hopefully restore any of that faith that you might have lost. So I kind of titled this message, God is Faithful. My prayer is that you see today that he is faithful and that he will push you to be more faithful to him and to others in your life. So we're going to look at Exodus, the whole book. You don't have to necessarily open your Bibles. You can, but you're going to be flipping a lot today try and, and cover the majority of the book of Exodus, which is a huge task for me, but it's not going to be that much of a task for you. The Israelites at the beginning, they weren't called Israelites, they were called Hebrews, because they hadn't established the nation of Israel yet. But I'm going to reference them as Israelites just because that connects with church people more than Hebrew people. But the Israelites at the beginning of Exodus, they were already enslaved by the Egyptians. And a new Pharaoh came to power. And when this Pharaoh came to power, he didn't care about the deal that happened in Genesis with uh, Joseph. He didn't care about Joseph. And Joseph had already passed away. So he enslaves the people, makes them work. They're, they're literal slaves. And he sees the population of the Israelites. And it makes him nervous, which is crazy to think that 
Israel had this many people up to this point because Egypt was the largest nation in the world at this point in history. They had the strongest military in the world at this point in history. Yet Pharaoh, the, the Pharaoh was nervous that these Hebrews, these Israelites would rise up in power and overthrow him. And because he got nervous about it, he told all of the midwives that whenever you deliver children from the Hebrews, from the Israelites, if it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, keep him, keep her. But if it's a boy, kill him. And what happened was that the Hebrew uh, midwives, they would go and they would, they would purposely come just a little bit too late till after the birth was done with because they were supposed to secretly kill these baby boys. And uh, they would go in, they would purposely come too late. And when Pharaoh got word of this, that all of these Hebrew children were still running around and, and still populating the, the nation of Egypt, he called on all people. It doesn't matter who you are, you have a license to kill any Hebrew Israelite boy. Kill them all. And so there is this big massacre of Hebrew children, right? This is a, a very harsh time in Israel's history. And I want to paint this picture for you because when we get to the unfaithfulness of Israel later, you'll see what they actually went through, right? But then God was faithful in keeping a child alive. And the small child would be placed in a basket and he'd be sent down the river to Pharaoh's daughter, and she would name him Moses. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you probably know who Moses is, and you know what all that he did. When Moses got older, he encountered God through a burning bush. And God would tell him through that bush that he would deliver his people from Egypt and that he had a land prepared for them. And at this land, they would grow and they would flourish, and God would protect their nation and they just needed to follow God. They just needed to follow God's commands. And God was faithful. To deliver these people from Egypt, he sent 10 plagues on the land, causing the Egyptian Pharaoh to just send the Israelites away. He's like, just get these people out of here so that I, my country can stop suffering. So the Israelites left and God was faithful in doing that. But the Egyptian Pharaoh just realized that he Left his, or he sent away his entire workforce so that his economy was crashing because there was no, no more workers. So he sends out an army, sends out the majority of his army, and he's like, go and capture the Israelites again. We, we actually need them. I don't care what happens to the rest of my people. We need them to be working. So he sends them out. And the Egyptian, uh, yeah, Egyptian Pharaoh sends them out and God parted the, the waters of the Red Sea and he provided a way for the Israelites to escape the Egyptian army. And when they walked through, the army followed them in, but God was faithful and he destroyed the army in the Red Sea. He destroyed the evil in the Red Sea. So our God is faithful to deliver us. As they wandered in the wilderness, the people cried out because they were hungry and thirsty. And they would make claims to God. They would pray to God, God, just send us back to Egypt. We know it was hard there. We know it was difficult there, but at least we had some meat. 
At least we had some food. At least we had water. Right? God, in that moment, provided manna, and he, it, which was a form of bread, and he provided streams of water so that the Israelites' needs were met. But then the people complained about the manna, said that it was tasteless. They, they were tired of it. They, they wanted meat, so God also provided quail so they could have meat. Our God is faithful to provide, even when we complain. Later, you'll find that Moses will go up Mount Sinai. And when he goes up on this mountain, God encounter, where he encounters God again, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. God is faithful in providing us direction to a life abundantly. When Moses comes down, he sees that they are they're worshiping idols. They're worshiping a, a golden calf image. And God is still faithful to provide that direction because he makes another Ten Commandments tablets for him and gives him the law of Moses. When people disobey, he's still faithful to give us direction and to produce and provide for his people. He remained faithful in his promise that he would provide land for them to grow and flourish as a nation. And even though it wouldn't come to that generation, the next and upcoming generation of Joshua leading that one, would, he would give them that promised land. And as you walk through the Old Testament, what you'll actually find is that these people, these Israelites, as they're establishing their nation, they, they want more. They want something different than what God has already given them. And God continues to be faithful to pour and to give them what they desire, but also holding back from some of the things that they desire. At some point, the Israelites, they didn't have a king. They didn't have a leader. And they had different judges that were coming in and they were God was constantly faithful in trying to bring his nation back to him, right? Even though we look at the book of Judges and we're like, well, that's harsh. Like he's sending all of these evil people to, to persecute them and to, to discipline them. But God is constantly faithful in trying to bring them back closer and closer to him. And they finally cry out to God and they say, God, we can't keep going through this cycle anymore. We need a king like all of the other nations, See, up to this point, the Israelites looked very different than all other nations because they didn't have a king. They didn't have a ruler because God was their king. God was their ruler. And so they were set apart because every other established nation in the world had a king, had a ruler, had someone watching over them. Yet Israel seemed to not have a human leader. They served God as their king, as their Lord, as their savior. And God said, you won't want a king because with a king will come taxes. With a king will come more rules. With a king will come destruction. But if that's what you want, I'm faithful to give you what you desire. So they get a king. And after a few kings, kings started to be unfaithful to God, leading entire generations of Israelites away further and further away from God. But God was faithful because years later, Jesus would enter the picture. He would pave a way for the faithfulness of God 
to not only restore what was lost in Israel, but extend it out to the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, those who were not Israelites. And as Jesus walked the earth, he taught about how God was so faithful to the people of Israel and they didn't even realize it. I think sometimes we can fall into that same thing. We, we can read all of the stories about how God is faithful, but we're like, it doesn't feel like he's very faithful in my life. It doesn't feel like he's very faithful in, in, in these areas of my life. Yes, he was faithful with harvest days. He was faithful with some of these other things, but I'm dealing with some things at home and, and he just doesn't seem like he's faithful in restoring those relationships. It doesn't seem like he's faithful in, in helping me parent kids. It, it doesn't seem like he's faithful in some of these other things that are going on in my life. But I promise you that God is faithful. Sometimes for you to see that he's faithful, you just gotta look for where he's faithful. And we often don't look. Like it seems so simple, just look for where he's faithful, but it's hard. It's a hard thing to, to do. But when you start seeing the positive things instead of the negative things, because this sermon could have went very different. We could have said, well, God destroys the people who aren't faithful to him. God, God will disown the people who aren't faithful to him. God will, will send people, evil people, to destroy the nation that he loves and the nation that's called after him because they weren't faithful. We see when you look at it, God is trying to bring them back. So he's faithful. It may look like to us that he's really mad and destructive. Like throughout the old, whole Old Testament, for the longest time I looked at that and I was like, God just seems so different from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There seems to be something that happened whenever Jesus came that God just changed his mind about all of the destruction, about all of the killing and the murder and, and everything that just seemed to be happening in the Old Testament. He seemed to have changed his mind whenever Jesus showed up, but that's not true. Jesus taught that God is the same God as he was in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. The difference is the perspective, and Jesus changed our perspective, and he said, no, God's not punishing them because he's mad at them necessarily. He's punishing them because he wants to bring them closer. It's discipline. He wants them to draw closer and he wants you to draw closer to him. And sometimes when things are hard in your life, it's to bring your eyes back towards him. It's to bring your unfaithfulness back towards him. It's to bring your, your hatred back towards love, right? It's supposed to bring you back to him. And when you start seeing that perspective in your life, you'll see where God is so much more faithful than you ever even thought. God is faithful. If he's faithful enough to part the sea for the Israelites, he'll be faithful to you too. If God is faithful enough to provide manna, he will be faithful to provide for you too. If he is faithful enough to provide direction, he will be faithful to you. Even when you break all of the rules, he'll be faithful in trying to bring you back to life abundantly. He's always faithful to keep his promises and he will be faithful to keep the promises that he's made to you. Normally, I don't talk about sermon prep up here, but I, I kind of feel led to a little bit. The past few weeks have been terrible on sermon prep. I've spent hours and hours looking at a blank screen on my computer, not able to write anything down. 
and obviously I've preached, <laughs> I've still preached, and it has nothing to do with truth. It has everything to do with me and God. But I struggled a lot with this message, uh, unlike anything else that I've struggled with, because I've doubted his faithfulness in some areas of my life. And because I've doubted his faithfulness, it made it that much harder to preach this message for you. Because I, I know I'm supposed to stand here and be like a, an example of what it's like to be just fully and wholly faithful to God. But that's not my story because I'm just like you. I'm broken. I, I, I hurt. I have pain. I, I struggle with my own relationship with God. Not that you guys didn't know that, but in case you didn't. And I had so much doubt about harvest days. I did. I knew people would show up. I knew they'd show up. I know some old timers would show up. But I had lost some of my faithful or my faith in God's faithfulness to us. And when I was walking around and I saw all the people, there were still moments that I was like, you know, I wish that there was more that came. I wish that we could have had more volunteers. I wish that we could have had some other things. And, but God was faithful because I'd say 90% of the people, right? We're not going to talk about the 10%, but 90% of the people came up to me and were filled with gratitude. They were filled with so much thankfulness and excitement for what was happening in our community. And I even heard one person, I was talking with an individual and we were talking about other things and we brought the conversation back to Harvest Days and he said, I've seen so many community events die in Webster County and Henderson County throughout the years. And he's like, none of them have come back. And he said, when this died eight years ago, I thought it would never come back. And he's like, and I sure didn't think a church would be at the forefront of starting it. And he's like, that's just a testament to your church and the goodness and faithfulness that they have and the God that you serve because he showed up today. When I heard those words, of course, I, I had so many interruptions, but I heard those words. And those words have been ringing through my ears about I never thought a church would be at the forefront of starting an event like this back up. And it was right then and there, I was like, this is worth it. All of the headache, all of the miscommunication, all of the frustrations, all of the, and I don't know if anyone else had this, but nights lost of sleep, worrying and praying over this event. But our God is faithful. And if he's faithful to us to let this event happen, he's gonna be faithful to you in your relationships. He's gonna be faithful to you in your struggles. He's gonna be faithful to you in everything that you do. He's gonna be faithful to this community. And the promise that I believe he gave to me three years ago, that there's gonna be a revival that hits this community like no other. 